0: The Vikings lost a brutal game to the Chicago Bears on Monday. What can we learn from it? How can we project forward? And what are the Vikings going to be doing over the course of the bye week to get themselves prepared for the final five games, all of which are winnable? Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to
1: The Real Forno Show.
0: Hosted by Tyler Forness
1: the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer. For the College Football Network, publisher of Substack Run-In Shooter, host of the good, the bad, and the hungry, on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull.
0: Welcome to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I am Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, in the top right corner, he is producer Dave. We are coming to you recorded this evening because I am going to AEW Dynamite at the Target Center, and we are going to be having some fun at a pro wrestling show. Dave, how are you? I'm doing
1: good. It's a it's a wonderful day weather wise. Nice. Still working on the Christmas decorations. Things are wonderful. Trying to get that awful taste out of my mouth from this weekend. Monday night in particular. And your Minnesota Vikings. But we're going to talk about that, right?
0: Yes, we are. And I I think we have to start here, Dave, because the concept of play calling has become just a rampant discussion across fans and analysts alike. And I think we need to parse this out. Just because a play doesn't work doesn't mean it was a bad play call. And that's why I've always encouraged everybody to go get the all 22. Just get yourself more data and a better, better educated answer because the all 22 is going to show you whether uh, the play call itself was good or not versus the execution. You're going to be able to see that. And I, I think the perfect example is that Josh jobs toss pitch, toss play. The Vikings aren't the first team to run that last year. The Ravens ran it with Lamar on fourth and one. It gained like 20 yards. So the Vikings asking, Josh Dobbs to get one there is fine. The bears ran it earlier this year with Justin Fields. They're all mobile quarterbacks. They all have the ability to run. You're asking them to do something that is becoming commonplace for these style of quarterbacks. Just because it didn't work doesn't mean it was a bad play call. Oh, it's too cute. Well, if you just run it up the gut, oh, why are you running up the gut? Everybody thinks you're going to do that. Well, you can't have it both ways. You can't ask them to not be too cute and then just do the thing that's chalk. You have to be able to mix it up and you have to be able to try and attack defenses differently. And the reason why that play call didn't work wasn't because it was a bad play call. It was actually a pretty good play call and they're going to be able to build off of that later on. We've talked about that before is the execution Dalton Reisner spends too long doubling with Garrett Bradbury and doesn't get to the second level quick enough. Singleton goes in and busts up the play, forces Dobbs to cut back inside when he really should be hitting that like gap on the exterior to be able to shoot towards the sidelines. And he gets speared illegally by Kareem Jackson, who is now serving a four-game suspension for lowering his head. That's not on the play call. That's the execution. That is what the players do with the design For the for the actual play and we saw that manifest again here for the Vikings against the the Bears that fourth and eight play call TJ Hawkinson runs an out route. Josh Jobs throws it. It ends up being like half a yard short of the sticks turnover on downs. I think Hawkinson needs to run that about a half a yard deeper because when he makes his break that he's right at the sticks and then he kind of cuts and he ends up about half a yard past the sticks, but then has to come forward. If he runs just a half a yard deeper, then he's a, a yard past the sticks. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've got some cu- coming on in my throat there. But if he's a yard past the sticks, then he does probably doesn't have to come up as far to get that ball, which was poorly placed. And the poor placement was the reason why that it didn't work. But Hawkinson still needs to be, run that just a little more precise and a little bit farther past the sticks to give him that buffer And it's just frustrating because right play call, right coverage. You don't execute That's Why is that on Kevin O'Connell as a play caller? It's not, you can't look at me and say that Kevin O'Connell is a poor play caller. You can be frustrated by some of the elements of play calling, which going through the all 22, I was a little bit. Why is nobody getting yard after catch opportunities? It's Hey, we're going to throw you a hitch, break a tackle. Why aren't we trying to get guys running crossing routes? Like we're not able to attack down the field right now. We just aren't all in all Hawkinson needs to run that just a little bit crisper and Dobbs needs to place it better. And uh, one of the frustrating things kind of about play calling in general is you have to be able to see what's going on throughout the course of the entire play. And that's why I've always stressed get the all 22 NFL plus has it. Available for everybody. And there's not one single person. That is better than anybody else. For having watched it. But it's like going to college. You may not be smarter. Than somebody else. But you're more educated. And you have more information. On a specific topic. So if somebody goes to college for engineering. They're they're going to know more about. How to build things. Than I am. And that's fine. Because they took the time to learn it and that's all y'all 22 is take the time to learn it and i highly recommend everybody go do that because there's no perfect answer there's no i'm right you're wrong but by watching it and if somebody else hasn't i have gotten more education on the specific subject than that other person and that's where the context matters and we talk about all the time context is king you need to have context the play call worked how the guys ran it and executed it didn't that's the difference here execution the game nfl's the game of inches all right if you are a few inches behind on a throw that's the difference between hawkinson getting that first down and not and guess what he didn't get that first down and it's all the more frustrating and I think Odie's actually about to pee on my floor and I'm going to kick him in the keister if he does. But um, it, It's those little things. The little things matter a lot and we're going to talk about it more and one of the I think the one thing that I came away frustrated with with the play calling and honestly is the only thing I've found that to be re- actually frustrated with where are the yard after catch opportunities for these guys Dave where are the crossing routes where you, you hit him in stride and then you give him an opportunity to run with the ball. It's all in breaking routes. It's all hitches and curls. Like those are good plays, but you already can attack deep. They threw one pass over 20 yards. And that was the first play of the game to Jordan Addison, which was arguably a catch. I was a little surprised that Kevin O'Connell didn't call uh, for a challenge, but I also understand it. Like it's not always as simple as, oh, you have to go challenge it. Well, if you do, that can hinder you challenging something that was a lot closer that would have mattered more. We talked about that during the Saints game. That third and two where Josh Dobbs looked like he had the first down was ruled short, but because they made a poor challenge earlier in the game, they didn't want to use their last challenge for that purpose. Like that, that, that kind of game management matters. So I understand why O'Connell didn't challenge it, but that could have changed the whole course of the game. Outside of that play, they, they really couldn't attack deep. And that matters or didn't they didn't trust to be able to attack deep. Now there was that double move to Addison. Uh, I did forget about that. So there was at least a second and that double move to Addison was great. And Dobbs placed it very poorly. All he had to do was lay it out decently. That's a touchdown. Luckily the Vikings still were able to drive and get a touchdown, but the game could be changed because all of a sudden you get a touchdown with like, I think it was like five or six minutes left instead of like three. That matters. And then all of a sudden you're in a four minute drill instead of like really trying to grind out clock when you get that ball back. And then when Chicago does, they're under less pressure to be able to get the ball downfield. And that could be a net benefit too, because it's less urgency Urgency matters in these situations because if if you don't have to be urgent, you're not pressing. And if you're not pressing, you can play more relaxed. And with the Vikings defense, they probably would have felt a little more comfortable sending pressure at Justin Fields, something they didn't do at all during that final drive, which was a little interesting from Flores, but I also understand it because hey, Fields really hasn't beaten you downfield at all. Make him. sometimes when you do that, you get beat. And Fields was able to make one really good throw down the field. And you lose. That that's just them's the breaks. Uh hindsight is always 2020. But the big thing is right, how are you gonna learn from it? And the one thing that really worries me, Dave, and let's kind of have this conversation. Josh Dobbs. Is he the guy? I I I'm not convinced. I'm also I would I've been on record. I would I would start Jaron Hall if Dobbs came back down to earth. And the last two and a half games, he's really come back down to earth. There's film on him with this offense. Nothing's a surprise anymore. Teams can game plan around it. And they're not doing that much with him with his legs, which is a whole nother discussion. O'Connell really wants him to stay in the pocket, which really shouldn't be a surprise. That's what he wants to do. That's how he wants to win. And utilizing Dobbs' legs is more of an afterthought than a priority. But what you're seeing from Dobbs, poor ball placement, slow processing, not great decision-making. The more he's learning the playbook, it feels like the less effective it is. And I think that's honestly a product of teams have film. It's not a product of Dobbs is now all of a sudden this worst football player. Teams have film on you. They're able to see what's going on and they're able to make counteractive decisions and game plan against it the broncos did a good job of it and so did the bears how's dobbs going to respond how has he responded well he responded with four picks now i'm not going to classify all of them as his fault like that throw to addison phenomenal anticipation addison needs to catch that he didn't i'm not going to give dobbs that the pick to Jalen Johnson. Yeah, his fault. If you're going to throw that uh, smash concept where a smash is the outside receiver runs a shallow route within like three to five yards. And then the slot runs a deep corner. You either have to layer that deep or throw it with zip. Dobbs did neither. And it was an easy layup. Like you, You just can't make those mistakes. Dobbs is a veteran quarterback. He was drafted in 2017. I understand he doesn't have many starts under his belt. He only has 13 starts now. But you cannot. You cannot do what he did there. You have to be able to throw that properly. And some of those things matter. Hall is an unknown. I uh, We saw good things from Hall in the beginning of that Atlanta Falcons game. The tough part is I don't think Hall is going to be the guy if they make a change. I think it's going to be Nick Mullins. Mullins was ahead of Hall on the depth chart and Mullins is honestly fits the archetype that Kevin O'Connell has worked with a lot in the past that he doesn't have the strongest arm, but he has, he's a very capable passer and he's the guy on one of those weird stats where it's a bunch of hall of famers and just one random dude. He's like the fourth fastest player ever to 4,000 passing yards in a well, career.
1: And he won a lot of games out in San Francisco. And as well, Kevin that's not
0: entirely true. He didn't yeah. win a ton of games. He started a ton of games.
1: Oh, well, okay. But he won some games out in San Francisco. And as Kevin O'Connell preaches, he likes rhythm and timing. And the KOC offense is built on rhythm and timing to the receivers. We are getting Justin Jefferson back, he was activated yesterday he will be ready for the Raiders game. That is your most important receiver. You need a quarterback that has rhythm with him. J.J. can make up for a lot of suboptimal passes, but you need enough rhythm to make this offense successful. And I think that's going to drive KOC's decision as to who to start whether it be Mullins, Dobbs, or Hall, is who's going to have the most rhythm with the wide wide receivers come the Raiders game.
0: hmm And the interesting thing about the rhythm aspect that you mentioned, Dave, we don't know what Dobbs would be with Justin Jefferson, and that adds another layer to this. He hasn't played with the top players. He hasn't played with Jefferson at all. Jefferson has missed the last seven games, which he was finally activated on Tuesday, which had to happen. Why did it have to happen? His practice window was done. So because his practice window was done, he had to end up on the active roster or he did to stand injured reserve for, I believe, the rest of the season. The Vikings were going to do that. So they ended up waving Nikhil Harry off the active roster and waving Sean Mannion off the practice squad. Harry, on a procedural move, should end up on the practice squad later on Wednesday, and that should happen before you see the show. Now, does that mean that you end up starting Jefferson? or Starting Dobbs and giving him the time with Jefferson? I can't say that. But I'll tell you this. It's a very, very frustrating process to watch Dobbs go through all this and it just doesn't seem to be clicking the way that you would think. And you have potential on the bench in Jaron Hall. And I'm going to be honest. Hall could be a, a nothing burger. He could stink. We don't know. And I think the unknown is one of the benefits here. You're kind of playing with house money. You're starting quarterbacks out for the year. You're six and six. You still have an inside track to make the playoffs. If you make the playoffs, that's great. If you miss it, nobody's going to care that much. You lost your starting quarterback. It's the year 2023 development of quarterbacks on the bench just doesn't exist like it used to. And I'm hoping with this new third quarterback rule, we start to get back to it because you were able to develop a guy like a Todd Bauman, a Jay Fiedler and get them to a point where you could start them in games and they could win you a game or two. Cody Carlson was Warren moon's backup for eight years before they gave him the starting job didn't work out for Cody but they tried and they they put real time and effort into developing these guys that matters this is a very impatient league and I think that's one of the reasons why and especially with value of quarterback contracts if you would just have a backup on like a one or two year deal and they just pop off, well, then all of a sudden you have to pay him 40 million and that could backfire. It's not going great for the Seahawks right now. It's going absolutely abysmal for the giants on multitude, a multitude of levels. But with the advent of the third quarterback being active every single game day as an emergency player, I think that you may actually see more teams look To try and develop a quarterback, and I think that's a net positive for the for the Vikings. But it, I I would want to see Hall when you're talking house money. Dobbs, I I'm struggling with Mullins has a ceiling that you've already seen. Why not shoot the moon? I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I don't think the Vikings will, but that's kind of my argument.
1: Well, again, getting back to the rhythm and timing from KOC. Mm Mm-hmm. Dobbs obviously doesn't seem to have it. And if you look back at his tape and his stints across the league, he, he doesn't, he can win you a few games and then it drops off to where he's just off. And that takes time to develop. And of course he had no time. He was the emergency. Oh my God, we got to throw him in now quarterback. And he did well. And that's cool until these last couple games when opt, when offensive Performances and production is very suboptimal. We only scored a touchdown on Monday, a touchdown. We need to be scoring a lot more than that. And we miss Kirk Cousins because he obviously can drive that. Now, bring in Mullins into the picture. Mullins is the backup. Mullins is a good quarterback. Mullins should be starting. Mullins has no, quote, rhythm with the, this year's team because he hasn't practiced with him. He was out all summer up until just recently. He was out for uh, on IR with his back issues. He hasn't thrown in the 2023 version of the team. Can he? Yes. Can he not have rhythm because he hasn't done that? Yes. You know, both could be true. Who knows? We don't know the one player that has some rhythm with the team because he's practiced every single day is Jaron Hall. And I agree with you. I'd like to see Jaron Hall get the start, but we have no idea who KOC is going to pick.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good point. You, you just don't know. Um, there's, there's so many variables here, and... I don't necessarily think that any of these guys are a great option. And we'll talk about running back here in a second, because I I have, I have takes. Um, My, my philosophy is I would just go with the guy that you think has the highest ceiling and see what happens. And you, you drafted this rookie. He showed himself well in the little bit of time that he had. Why not give him more time? But if you want to win games, that might not be your best option or your safest option. I think your safest option in that aspect is Nick Mullins because of the rhythm and the timing. Um, But I'm very curious how any of these guys will have any of that with Justin Jefferson, because Jefferson is kind of an anomaly. He hasn't practiced with these guys much. He hasn't done a whole lot. So how is this going to manifest? We'll find out. They're going to take the bye week to really discuss these things. And they they have a lot of things to really self-scout and try and figure out what's going on. One of those things is turnovers. 24 turnovers this year. Dave, I don't know about you, but that's unacceptable. 24 to a game? <sighs> it's horrible. Whether it was
1: due to neglect by the player, just dropping the football or whatever, or, you know, it was accidental, like a tip ball. However, it's unacceptable. You're going to have some turnovers during the season, but you want to absolutely minimize them, and 24 is not minimizing them. We had Mm -hmm. four turnovers on Monday. Yes, you can argue that two of them weren't anybody's fault because— they should have been uh, caught or not tipped or whatever. But it's just, it's way too many. And every time we get to that threshold, and I was watching it Monday night, minus two, hey, we're still at it. Minus three, we just went over that. If you want to call the Mendoza line, a Mendoza line for turnovers and Every time they've reached that, they've lost the football game, even though they were winning with two minutes to go.
0: The but funny part the is all game. those losses have been by seven points or less. Mm-hmm. So the Vikings aren't even getting blown out. They turned it over four times. all at three points off turnovers. That's insane. The defense is playing out of their minds. And they can't get anything done on offense. You have it's a team game. You have to be able to figure this out. And the Vikings just haven't. And it's very frustrating. But I want to talk, Dave, about running back here before we kind of get into some of the things that they're going to look at outside of quarterback. Um, Look, I've been a big proponent of Ty Chandler on the show. I've been honest in saying I don't necessarily think he's the better back, but the more explosive back. And sometimes with more explosiveness, you can manifest some other things. On Monday night, Alexander Madison tenfold looked like the better player. It wasn't close. Uh, Chandler, the few opportunities he had to touch the ball didn't do anything with it. Madison looked like he was seeing things well. He was a- able to kind of maneuver in holes and juke his way in a similar but dissimilar way to what we saw with like Daniel Tomlinson those, those cuts in the hole and being able to kind of move to and shift and be able to hit Gaps in different ways. Not nearly as explosive. Madison's not explosive at all, but he's able to manufacture these kinds of things because of what he is as a football player. He's a smart football player, but his athleticism just isn't what it should be for a top back. And that's that's one of the reasons why people are excited about Ty Chandler. Oh, he's so explosive. Well, running back isn't just all about being explosive. It's about the little things. And Madison does the little things very well. and. It manifested itself a lot in this game. Madison was far and away the better player. And that's why he's getting the snaps. It can be frustrating, can be annoying that Madison just isn't this great player. I understand that. But that's why Chandler's not getting more opportunities and more snaps. It's because Madison is playing the way he is. And right now he deserves to be playing over Ty Chandler even though I've been a big proponent of just play the guy who's more explosive and, and hope that we can kind of grow some of those other elements. I, I still think that there's an argument for that, but when you look at Madison and what he's doing on the field, that's what's going on. Madison is just playing better football.
1: And you want the guy that's playing the better football
0: out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely can't tell if odie's chewing on a bone oh yeah he's chewing on a bone i thought he might be chewing on one of my cords because he's down by my feet oh i think you know, he needs the there
1: one. is such the thing as cable management
0: oh i don't do that <laughs> i got cables all over this place but i did buy a new surge protector so i'll i'll have some of it cleaned up um Let's talk about a couple other things, and then we're gonna we're gonna cut this one short here today because it's a it's a very busy Wednesday for us, and not being able to do a live show kind of hurts. Um, the bye week, what's important on the bye week? Well, two main things: one, let guys rest and get healthy. And they're going to need this for the stretch run. I'm intrigued to see when O'Connell comes back and talks to the media if he has any updates on Marcus Davenport because we know he had the tightrope surgery, and they're hoping to have him back. But tire up surgery can come back in four weeks. We we also don't know when the surgery happened. That was not revealed to us. We was just revealed he went on injured reserve. And then a few weeks after going on injured reserve, we heard about the
1: surgery. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But we don't know the timeline of that surgery. We just know generalities. So if there's, a, if there's an update on Davenport, I think that can be really good because Wanham has been playing relatively well, which he didn't play for that great against the Bears, which is very weird because he usually owns the Bears. And then you pair that with Daniel Hunter, who's just playing like a madman. He needs half a sack in order to hit his third bonus. So he'll make a total of $20 million this year. He just needs half a sack to do it. And I think he's going to be able to get that done pretty quickly, especially against the yeah, Raiders. Starting the question is,
1: will he get to 20? That's all I want. Get to 20, because that was one of my predictions at the beginning of the season, prior to the
0: season starting. Get to 20. He he needs six and a half sacks in five games. It's a tall tale, tall ask, but it's not impossible. It it isn't. Hmm. I think it'd be hilarious for him to end up at 14 and a half for the third year, because he's never been able to eclipse that number.
1: No, that would be horrible. Because that would mean he's either not playing well or we lost him.
0: Well, sat, sacks as a general whole are an unstable metric because sacks. Th- there's so many things that factor in, and you can get all the right pressure, guys. Sides, you get sidestepped, and then all of a sudden, Josh Metellus gets the sack. Like, so it's like touchdowns. They're somewhat random, even in terms of pressures. So as long as he continues to wreak havoc on the quarterback and get pressure, I'm okay if he doesn't get sacks because that means he's impacting the game and other players are likely to get those sacks. So he could end up with one sack the rest of the way and still play great football. Like we have to remember that fact. But one of the reasons I kind of bring these things up is you got to get healthy and then you have to self-scout. I'm very intrigued of how Kevin O'Connell, he's talked about how he's called a conservative game with leads at the end. And leaning on the defense, what well, you, you can't do that. You, you can't do that long-term. It's not a sustainable thing for success. You have to go out and win the game. Now, I understand leaning on the defense a little bit because you have Dobbs, and Dobbs struggled against the Broncos, and then he struggled badly against the Bears. So you look at those things. Okay, the defense is playing lights out. Let's help them out. Well, then your punter shanks a punt, and you get like 22 net yards off of it. Instead of, hey, burying them inside the tent. If you bury them inside the tent, okay, that's fine. I get it, but you just need eight yards and you're going to be able to attempt a, like a 53-yard field goal. Very makeable for Joseph. And then that's going to force them to score a touchdown, something they haven't been able to do on your defense. The Vikings red zone defense has been phenomenal. They were, the Bears were 0-2 this week. The Broncos were 1-5 of the week prior. So last two games, one of seven in the red zone, that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So you've only allowed one touchdown in seven quarters. And that was that last drive against the Broncos. You're, it's not exactly like we're asking for rocket science. We're not asking for a miracle. We're just asking them to play good football, but we need that from the offense too. And how is O'Connell going to adjust his end of game strategy? How much of that is going to be just the fact that it's a quarterback you just don't know? It's a quarterback that just hasn't had a lot of time here. It's also a quarterback that's been a journeyman for a reason. I'm intrigued to see how they self-scout. I want to see more routes for you with yard after catch opportunities. More of those concepts. Because those, when you have a guy like Jefferson out, can make a really big impact. Get like Brandon Powell on slants and let him try and get at 10 yards after the catch with his shiftiness. Get Jordan Addison on crossing routes and let him go. Same with KJ Osborne. Those are the kind of things I want to see with the self scouting. I also want to see how maybe Andrew Booth Jr. gets utilized after the bye because he's not being utilized much at all the last couple of weeks. And it's kind of been frustrating. The Vikings also dressed three official cornerbacks. <laughs> And Andrew Booth, I think, played four or six snaps. It was only three. It was only three. That's worse. That's worse. Um they dress six safeties, but three quarters. Yeah. Man, it's Vikings are a weird team, man. Um self scouting, getting healthier, are the two most important things here. And then you have the Raiders in in a, uh two weeks. December 10th. I kind of wish they were playing on Thursday night because next Thursday is my birthday and I do not want to watch <laughs> Patriots Steelers on my birthday. I will because I'm a degenerate, but who wants to watch that game? Not even Patriots and Steelers fans want to watch that game. Steelers, fan, a Steelers
1: fans do their game behind Baltimore, believe it or not. And they I feel believe, it, it. believe
0: it or not. You have Mike Tomlin, who's arguably the best coach in football. And you have a great defense. Kenny Pickett is not good. And one of the most hilarious stats, right before they hired Matt Canada, they had the the last game before it, they had a 400-yard game. Not a single one with Matt Canada's offensive coordinator. First game without him as offensive coordinator, 400 yards. Just hilarious. Hilarious ineptitude. Um, I'm all for loyalty, but sometimes you have to understand that loyalty is not going to fix your issues. And they did, and they replaced him, and things look better in Pittsburgh now. Kenny Pickett still stinks, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, yeah, we're going to have a lot more on kind of what to, what the Vikings need to look at here moving forward next week on Monday, and we're also going to um, start looking at uh, the NFL draft because this weekend is College Football Championship Saturday, Dave. Oh, boy. I cannot wait. This is going to be a fantastic week. I have a lot to write about tomorrow with these games. I have a lot of uh, time committed to watching these games. It's it's just going to be fun. And then that means draft season. Dane Brugler's first mock draft came out. The Vikings did not take a quarterback. And I, I will leave it at that. I highly recommend you go read it. Dane does some fantastic work and a A lot of these mock drafts are sourced mock drafts where you're talking to people and trying to get as much intel as you can and utilizing that in your selections. I recommend you do that. But that is our show. Get context before uh, we start giving a lot of heavy criticisms to the play calling. I will say, I I believe I was wrong a little bit with some of the uh, conservative play calling at the end. I didn't understand a lot of the criticisms. Friend of the show, Luke Braun mentioned like, well, we're not asking them to run four verts down the field and just throw it, chug it deep. Run like little short concepts, run stick, where it's like a five yard and then you turn around or you cut outside, depending on leverage. Those are fair, but I will say, I I also get it because I don't think O'Connell trusted Dobbs at that moment to make those throws, which that's a whole nother situation. If you don't trust Dobbs, then maybe you should have benched him. But we're going to have a lot more next week and we're going to have a lot more about this team throughout the course of the rest of the season and into the offseason where Dave and I are going to be pumping out a lot of fun stuff. A lot of random. Hey, it's 11 a.m. and we're going to do a show. You're (laughs) going to want to make sure you hit like, subscribe, ring the bell, and we are going to continue to have a great great time here moving forward. Don't forget Check out everything on the podcast feed. There's going to be some awesome stuff, including Dave's show that he does with NFC North contributors for fans for sports network. And don't forget as well two old bloggers live Saturday afternoon, four five central time. You will not want to miss it. Dave, anything else from you, sir? Uh,
1: that's it. I hope everybody has a great rest of the week and they get that bad taste out of their mouth and move on. It's bye week We all need that extra little bit of time to get things done, do your Christmas shopping, you know, enjoy life a little bit, and then then we can come back and watch the, your sure. Minnesota Vikings finish this season up, hopefully on a winning note.
0: Yep. As we'll Odie looked for you. Odie is sitting on some of my clothes and is just staring at me like, Dad, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, he wants he, to go out. Oh, uh, actually, he just peed on my pants. Dave? So I'm going to go. Uh, <laughs> but at least it's on the pants and not the carpet because I can watch the pants. I'm Tyler. He's Dave. I'm going to go kick my dog in the keystroke for peeing on my clothes. Have a great night, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings.
1: Like, subscribe. And ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community. that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First in Skull production part of the Fans First Sports Network.